0: Hello, hello to all my lovely listeners. Court here reporting in from the Soma Mama podcast. I've got a solo episode for you today around motherhood. And for context, I want to start by saying I we are at almost at episode 22 of season one which it may be capped there it may be extended 22 is a very abundant number for me so I was thinking about stopping season 1 there and taking the little month break and getting back to it Um, but I've also really been enjoying having these conversations uh, with so many wonderful people so TBD but for now please keep tuning in to Soma Mama share it With friends, family, people who you think might resonate with the conversations we are having, like it, review it, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever floats your boat. It's always appreciated. Um, I'm the least sales bitchy person you might ever come across. So you do you, boo. Um, But I'm all about spreading the love through energy and energetic transactions and those look differently for everyone right I was talking to a friend about that yesterday and the moments where it's not it's like agreed upon that it won't be a financial or monetary transaction but you agree to share each other's work via social media or google reviews or word of mouth etc um then actually uh backs into another conversation I was having on a coaching call or coaching seminar about like, building this network of referrals as a business owner, especially a female entrepreneur. And it gave me a moment to sit back and think like, wow, I refer people all the time. I like to see it as a love language and I will always do that. That's just who I am. There's so much abundance and love and sharing, and, but it, it made me really pause and ask myself, Courtney, are others doing the same for you? And I was like, wow, uh, maybe not. (laughs) Maybe no, maybe not to the extent that I am doing for them. um, Or maybe I just don't know about it. And so I have started, especially within business and in connections and referrals, um, having more of those conversations of like, what is this interaction? What does this transaction mean to you? And absolutely not from a condescending or, like, expectation sort of way or tone, but really the opposite. Like, let's get really raw and real about what this means to us and what we want for us, for this to look like for us. Um, Because I'm sure we've all had those instances, my hand is certainly raised right now, where we kind of have that, like, say you ask a friend or a family member to leave you a Google review to help support your business and they don't or then maybe they do but they just put the five stars and no text it's like oh like we experience a little bit of that viscerally felt let down or disappointment and you know, it always invites a question back in of like, wow, well, what was I expecting, and was I clear with my request or my expectations, right? Like, how much of that was seen coming back to the like iceberg analogy, right? What what's above the water and what was below? Um, so anyway, that's just a prelude. Today, um, we will be talking about motherhood and something that has presented itself as a challenge in my life within the last week and oh yeah here's what I wanted to say um I'd been feeling this longing to do a solo episode and last week I was going to record one around like largely around spirituality and truth and honing in on our on our true essence and gifts and quite frankly I was like nah let's push that back to Tuesday which was an intuitive decision like I'll record on Tuesday Well, yesterday was Tuesday, and I had this encounter at my child's daycare center. (laughs) And since so much abundance and resources have come from it, um, and I am a resource, (laughs) W-H-O-R-E, I'll refrain from saying that word because it holds too many meanings, but I love resources, I love collecting them, I love sharing them, and so I really felt called to compile this, this short episode today um, to do so. Whether or not you are a mother, a parent, a caregiver, an aunt, an uncle, whatever, this episode may pertain to you in some way, shape, or form, maybe even towards your pet. Um, so yeah, take it, leave it, what have you. So context here is uh, we switched uh, our son's daycare. We had been on a wait list for a year for a daycare that was closer in proximity to our house. So we, um, yep, we took that. We got the notification that we were off the wait list. There's a spot open for us. So we were like, great, let's take that. So we started him there last week and, you know, a little bit of a bumpy ride, the first week in terms of drop-offs, whereas at his other daycare, it took no longer than two weeks for him to be walking up to the door, knocking on the door, running in, like didn't didn't flinch uh, really when we dropped him off. Um, whereas last week and into this week, transitioning clearly, which is to be expected, in a new environment, he's been a lot more clingy and tears have been shed when we leave. And um, it's taken a lot more time and energy to integrate into a new space Um, and I will say like that was anticipated and I even like this morning I gave myself extra time and drop off to be able to sit and pair myself with the environment a little bit to make it feel safer and more secure and when I say pair it's exactly what it sounds like and this actually comes from Behavioral science, specifically applied behavioral analysis, in which I am trained in and have worked several years in with children primarily under the age of four on the autism spectrum. And one of the favorite things I have heard regarding pairing is be the MM. Become that blue MM, that red MM, that yellow MM that the child wants. They want you so badly. And in fact, in our first few sessions as a behavioral therapist, we are instructed to just pair ourselves, right? It becomes far less about the goals and what we're there to achieve for the child. It is about, hey, do you feel comfortable with me? Do you feel safe with me? Can we do work together? And that's so important. Um, And I just feel called here to say, like, for any of you facing this with children or pets or whomever. Like I it's so easy for us, right, to get in our heads about like, is it a right fit? I don't know if he likes the teacher, I don't know no 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 no. And the three questions I've come to ask myself is is he loved, is he safe, is he secure? Which asking myself those fundamental questions and receiving those responses for myself has been a lot more validating than the monkey mind internal language that I can have, which makes me feel a lot more anxious as an individual and as a parent. Um, Okay, so rewind to yesterday evening. I picked up our son, and I don't want to really go into too many details, but I'll give you some in that, like... The moment I walked into the room, there was a new teacher in this classroom. And I've known that because um, there's been a lot of transparency around um, new hires and shifting teachers around. So we're like, great, okay, cool, we know that. So anyway, this first context, meet a new teacher, I'm picking up my child, and she says, Oh, are you your son's mom? I'm like, yeah. Um, she's like, Oh, okay. Um, yeah, we were really aggressive today. He pushed every child in the room. There were nine children. Um, When I tried to intervene by putting my body in front of his before he hit another child, he bit me. Um, And her language was very, she even at one point said, I like stepped aside, or I was doing something else, distracted, and then he went to attack another kid, and right, any of you listening right now are probably like, ooh, red flag, like, no good. So I, as you know, if you've listened to this podcast, I am deeply emotional, I'm deeply empathic, I have had to train myself as an adult to not just break down crying in a lot of situations, because that is how deeply I feel, and I also want to name I am honor my emotion. I'm not scared when I start to cry. I don't care what other people think about that. I'm very honest about, like, this is me, and this is how I express my feelings as a deep, deep carer, and so, but I'm kind of, like, choking back. I'm starting to feel that, like, frog in my throat, but I'm nodding my head. I'm, like, okay, kind of putting my energetic boundaries up, right, because I'm, like, okay, I'm not going to let allow this woman to just pierce straight into my soul, and she's, like, proceeds to to share several instances just from that day she also said well I just got in here today I don't know if I'm going to be in here right so I'm like already feeling like okay Dre obviously doesn't feel safe with this person quite yet um he doesn't feel secure he also ran to me and it was so interesting when I was there he obviously ran straight to me and like cowarded into my chest into my soul like mom hold me and feel me and like, what's going to happen next, right? Like, are you going to get mad? Are you going to reprimand me? Like, wh- what's going to happen? Um, Which, of course, I didn't, right? Like, in this instance, of course, I'm going to take accountability for my child and the well-being of the other children in the room. Like, safety and security for all is the most important thing. And when we're working with toddlers, it's like, and we're, we take a trauma-informed approach and just a compassionate lens to their feelings and their experiences. It's like they're not bad people, right? They're not the naughty kid in the room. Like, we've all been through this. Yes, some children might have more temperaments than others, um, and they're all expressed in different ways and that was one thing this teacher was saying was like oh i've worked with kids with temperaments like his so you let me know if you need any resources and i was like okay i didn't ask her in the moment like well what resources do you mean but i'm intuiting mean, intuiting or assuming in my own way and she goes oh yeah i tried to put his shoes on and he wouldn't let me put his shoes on because he liked the sensory input from the carpet and she was like And then she like, blah, 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 kept talking for a little while. And then another indicator she came back to is like, so I don't know what you're doing at home, but uh, maybe tomorrow you can bring a sensory toy for him to play with. So of course, any of you who've worked with the autism population, which we love in our household and we embrace and we admire, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with autism. It is an ability. It is a superpower. That is my belief. That is my philosophy. If our child has autism, wonderful. We will celebrate it <laughs> like it's okay, but our child does not have a diagnosis, and I felt that this woman was leading in with these like in you know like checkmark indicators of, oh he, the first very first thing she said what this was he's not making eye contact with us which is it's his ability he has he is capable of making eye contact and responding to his name so right off the bat it was like those four things no eye contact sensory input from the carpet hitting biting has a temperament and he um maybe maybe you want to bring a sensory toy tomorrow I was like girl like I know where you're going with this and this is I again this, these are the first moments I'd walked into this room and had an interaction with this woman. So, of course, I'm like, dude, like conscientiousness, right? Know what we say before we say it. Know the context. There's also like other parents walking into the room to get their children. So I didn't feel super <laughs> safe or secure or confidential in the conversation we were having. And I'm, I also lend compassion and empathy to teachers. Like, thank you for being in the position that you're in, taking care of our children. Like, thank you for putting up with screaming toddlers all day. Thank you. Like, I see you, I honor you, I recognize you. And I did not appreciate that exchange, right? And one thing I really appreciate with my partner is he is a very logic based. And so in the, in the times where my emotions peak, he's like, okay, court, like not like, not that that's not allowed. Right. He doesn't put that down, but he's also like, okay, like it's one person. We, she doesn't know our child. And it was one conversation, like, you know, we'll see what comes up tomorrow, but like, it's fine. It's okay. Um, and so of course i you know i wanted to drop him off this morning just to see how he would go with with drop off and to see who what teacher was there this morning and um it were the teachers that are usually in that room and the one teacher even in the last seven days that he's built a relationship to he like lunged for her and allowed for her to hold him and i mean that means the world to me right and i thanked this woman and i was like Thank you. Like, my eyes well up a little bit when I say this. Like, just thank you for being a safe and secure person for our child. That really means the world to me. And I'd argue that's the fundamental desire for every parent out there, right? I don't even care. Like, I don't care what my kid is even doing at daycare. I don't want him to be harming other people, I don't want him to be harming himself. But I, I, I want him to be loved and secured and seen and noticed. Right. And, um, going back just to working with, with individuals with autism and unique abilities, it's, I've run into this as a behavioral therapist, working with so many different schools and daycare centers and teachers and providers and like those individuals who will put that, that individual that kiddo we're working with straight into a box and those who won't right and I know with many families I've worked with when their child is school age and school ready one thing that they've like toyed a lot with is do we tell the school that our child has a diagnosis or do we not because there's so and this is with so many different diagnoses too right our mental health diagnoses um as well like what is someone else going to think of of this? And when a child comes of age to understand the meaning or the, the quote label behind their di- diagnosis, what are they gonna think of that? And how is that going to inform their identity? And I we just talked about this in one of my social work grad classes around the DSM-5, right? And how like it, it is this framework that's become helpful for practitioners and individuals And as we know, social, behavioral, cognitive disorders are not written in fine print. And they're not, I mean, they are, but they aren't, right? And they're not, um, by the book, the same for every person. And so that's where the DSM-5 becomes not very helpful. um, If someone were to really take it... um, not with a grain of salt, right, just take it for what it is, um, so just to say some actionables, and then I'll get into resources, I obviously came home, and it helps for me, one, because I can internalize things, so just speak it out loud, like, call my partner, call my friend, call my sister, whomever, speak it out loud, talk to people who are going through this as well, and I had the ability to do that just organically with a friend who called me yesterday, and, and my partner, um, and you know with my partner we just disc- we we agreed upon like okay at what point do we start looking into other places shall shall this place not be a fit for our child and again it's not we're not jumping from zero to a hundred we're not making rash decisions but for those of you who know the name of the game with child care most places have wait lists most places are hard to get into so it's like you kind of have that feeling like I'm already working with borrowed time here, right? Like, I, this process should have started yesterday. So, but it did, that's all to say, like, it felt good to at least put some actionables forward, even if, like, I got a call back from one place this morning that was like, we have a wait list of 16 people deep, but like, you're welcome to get on it, you know, just to feel like, okay, you know, so maybe a really awesome option will pop up. Maybe it won't, but at least we kind of, got that ball moving in that direction and it's all to say that we're not like you know putting our notice in at this place either um and resources okay so I then felt this actually was somewhat inspired by a a free seminar I was on yesterday just talking about um just the bravery around naming our emotions such as I feel afraid or I am afraid or I'm angry or I feel really disappointed and just keeping it so simple and naming that and noticing what that does in our body noticing what that does in our experience and so on my social media platform I put out um this is a vulnerable message, like, hey, I'm looking for resources for any parent with toddlers or who anyone who has worked with toddlers in any capacity. Um, who have maladaptive behaviors such as hitting, biting, pushing, and um don't have a lot of verbal language. And I wanted to share with you in total anonymity, um, some of the messages I received as they just felt so good to receive and I you know stated like I'm not here I'm not I I didn't say like I'm not here for criticism but I said I welcome like stories support and shared experiences um so I'm just going to share with you some of the messages I received and then at the end of this episode I'll share with you some of the several resources that were sent to me from various parents and people Um, So one person says, I've read and tried to say that when I'm asking nicely to not hit because it hurts mommy slash sister slash daddy, that we need to sit on the couch or sit somewhere and hold our hands or feet down and wait a minute and just try to calm them down. Sometimes uh, she gets into a hyper stimulated moment or situation when I just try to calm her down. Um, and keep her and others around her safe um, and then tell her hitting slash kicking is not acceptable or okay and it hurts people. I try to tell her that she doesn't like it when other people hit or kick her because it hurts and that makes her sad. So we don't know that we do not do that to other people. We keep our hands and our feet to ourselves. I'm... Um, yeah she says continues to say i've read the whole like you keep their arms down by their sides and say i'm not going to let you hurt yourself or others i need to keep you safe and i also need to keep myself safe um yeah she said it still definitely happens sometimes but my child can definitely um has now shown to like reset themselves one to five minutes of calm, calm time and reset time so i really appreciated that Um, Another one I loved was a friend who said, "Um, I've been going to some parenting workshops for trauma-informed care she said you might already know this but one thing i've learned is that it's important to ignore the behavior not the person so to say i can see you're angry right now but i'm not comfortable with being treated this way so i'm going to step away and give you some peace it's important to validate the way the kiddo is feeling while also teaching them there are better ways to express their feelings and then when they do use their words laying on the positive praise i'm so proud of you for using your words between using your body and using your words which one was more helpful for telling me how you feel, and helping them get to the conclusion that uses their using their words is better. Which you know, for those children who or teenagers or adults who are nonverbal or don't have language yet, that can be very challenging. It's it is it's this liminal space. I related it to like before the infant stage, before your kiddo starts crawling or creeping um i noticed my child feels so frustrated like i know where i want to go and i want to move but i can't yet so it did it did evoke a lot of like screams and um, frustrated vocalizations um but ideally that's that's the end goal and i've also heard well wait until they have language and wait till they just tell you like no well, I'm not gonna do what you tell me <laughs> you to do, or I'm gonna call you stupid, or that I hate you, and you know, like obviously I don't use those <laughs> words in my everyday vocabulary, but these things come out, and they come out in children, and parents are the sounding boards um, for them, and it and it hurts, right? Even even as parents and as adults who like have that sense of discernment. To say like I know this isn't actually what they mean I come back to the same words are razor blades and they do cut us deep like even if it's coming from our toddler or our four-year-old it can really really hurt right when someone tells you they think you're stupid when you've literally birthed them and created them it's like what right and like we all have different re- reactions for someone that might make them really angry a parent first for someone on the receiving end that might make them feel really sad um yeah i mean in my philosophy just as a human and as a parent is like evoke your emotion right and bring reason to it bring explanation to it so a kid knows because we know as children their their worlds are self-centered everything is about them because that is how they are orienting themselves to the world so any little thing that happens can become about them which as an adult we're like well that sounds self-centered and yes that's exactly what it is as a child that's how their little worlds and minds are built um So a couple of my other friends who have done ABA therapy or behavioral therapy um, in the past also provided some answers, which were really helpful for those of you who are familiar with like ABC um, approach to behaviors. It's antecedent behavior consequence. So it's really just breaking down what happened before the behavior occurred. What was the context? Was there like a trigger event? Um, what was the behavior, and then what happened after the consequence, what what was the consequence, um, and consequence I want to shed light on, we um, often think of consequence as a bad thing, but consequence is just, in this term, very generic and objective, like, okay, child is potty training, child says, I have to go pee, parent takes child to their bathroom, they go pee on the toilet, and then they get a high five, that's, that's the consequence or that's the reward, right? That's what happened after the behavior occurred. Um so yeah, one of my friends said, you know, I briefly worked as a behavioral therapist for 2 to 10-year-olds on the spectrum. Um, generally, I, we identify the biggest rewards and fabricated opportunities for positive communication to associate with those awards, i.e. A photo of a juice has to be touched in nonverbal kids before juice is given. Negative behaviors were firmly ignored, no reinforcement, either positive or neg- negative, unless self-harm was occurring. So I want to stop right here. Negative behaviors can be these maladaptive behaviors such as hitting, biting, SIB, which is self-injurious behavior. Um, so in those instances, if a child... That's what I found. If a child... Not- Oh, Siri I'm not talking to you um, if a child is like wants to bang their head we're placing our hand in between their head and the floor or an item in which they're banging it on um, to protect themselves but otherwise just generic response blocking is like putting our hand in between our child and ourselves or our child and another kid who they might hit but bringing no words very little words or um, communication to it and um Janet Lansbury has a really good podcast episode that I will share with you, um, in the show notes and she talks about how that is also setting like the somatic knowing, um, literally setting that physical boundary, um, with your hand or part of your body is like, I am here and I see you and to your child, right? And I, and I'm still setting this boundary, Um, continuing on that message, Um, so we redirect the negative behavior into opportunities for positive communication, which can look like letting a tantrum run for 45 minutes before they've calmed down enough to point at the juice. Um, yeah, it can be very stressful in the moment. We also talk about, um, extinction and extinction bursts in behavioral therapy. So extinction is obviously what we want a behavioral behavior to dismantle or completely stop but extinction burst says well oftentimes when we're intervening on a behavior it will increase like or it'll get worse before it gets better and um, which is what we see when we take quantifiable data as well and then oftentimes the behavior just completely stops and then as we have it something else will come up it doesn't mean it's Bad, but it could be non preferred or it could be good. Um, and that's just kind of how it goes <clears throat> with behaviors. Um, so, on to resources in the last couple minutes of this podcast. So, of course, yeah, Janet Lansbury, she has a podcast, Unruffled. So, I will put that in the show notes. Um, they're all like pretty short and sweet, 10 to 30 minutes, um, just little good parenting nuggets. Um, I was, um, handed a few handles of Instagram accounts, big little feelings being one of them. Um, Dr. Becky at good. Yeah. Dr. Becky at good inside is a book that she wrote, um, a psychologist and a parent. Um, so I'll pop that in the show notes. I've not read it myself. Um, also Mr. Chaz, Um, Mr. M-R-C-H-A-Z-Z has some good little reels on parenting tips and tricks. And the last one being um, Sarah Aquil-Smith, who writes books, I believe she is English, and has this SOS Parenting um, article that I was given, but looking into some of her gentle parenting books is highly recommended as well. I know those were referenced in my episode um, with my friend Natalie Um, So, I'll pop that episode in the show notes as well. (sighs) Big XL folks, we are in this journey, on this ride together. I just thank you, each and every one of you, for showing up, showing your support, and allowing me to feel seen. And I hope in some ways this podcast is reciprocating that, allowing you to feel seen in your experiences. You know, you can always reach out to me on Instagram at Soul to Soul Wellness LLC or via email. I love a good email. Info at Soul, to soul and I look forward to connecting with you all soon. Bye.